This is Scripture Read Badly. A podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order. Attempting to avoid heresy and generally having a good time. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Today's verse comes from 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 13. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. This is referring to the king, and this is the first example of how kings can give us all jobs, right? That's their job, (laughs) to give us jobs. This -hmm. is Scripture Read Badly. I'm Jeremy. My name's Ryan, and I am a sandwich artist. Uh, <laughs> and I really no. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm an unemployed sandwich artist. Nice, nice. Like, that's I have good. Those skills. Yeah, I'm a sandwich artist looking for work. Uh, <laughs> I I actually have a gallery at which I will be showing my my artworks, my sandwich artworks. Um, but I'm currently looking for a curator. If you know any sandwich curators, I'm looking for somebody to curate my sandwich artwork gallery. That would be um, an amazing job, as long as it <laughs> includes eating some of the sandwiches you curate. Oh, I imagine it would. Although, probably not the ones that are actually on display, because True. those ones would have to be up there for uh, a certain amount of time. Say if you're going to have an, an exhibition over three days, you'd probably need to pump them full of preservatives so they looked good for all three days. Uh, oh, but there would probably be some that would uh, not turn out as well as they wanted them to. So they might be a little bit soggier than they wanted. So Gross. you get to eat a soggy sandwich. I hate uh, soggy maybe sandwiches. A, That's maybe why my mum stopped making me lunch. Yeah, you might you might have a bit of a crusty sambo one time, but uh, maybe Crusty's even just fine. even just the offcuts. Maybe if yeah, like like the end of the, <laughs> the tomato, off-cuts. the end of the tomato, the part that connects to the the stalk. You know, the part that nobody likes, but some people yeah. eat, and it's a little bit weird. But you'd probably be able to make your own sandwich out of the the ends of the the knob of Devon and the. The last slice of cheese, or whatever. True. The, the center okay of the iceberg life. lettuce, the really crunchy Ugh, yellow no part of the iceberg lettuce. Not delicious. Anyway, uh, sandwich artistry is probably one of the jobs that the kings would have given out to their subjects. Uh, Definitely. But speaking of subjects, we are a little bit off subject. Uh, but this is Scripture Read Badly, and uh, this is a podcast where we go through the stories of the Bible, as you heard in the intro, if you didn't skip it. Uh, and we talk about exactly what is happening. At the moment, we're going through the book of First Samuel, and in the previous couple of episodes, we have seen Samuel grow up as uh, the priest to succeed Eli, because his sons were a couple of scumbags. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has grown in the sight of the Lord, uh, grown in favor in the sight of the Lord and of men, and he is essentially the spiritual leader of the entire nation. Now, we have also had the capture of the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the Philistines took it because the Israelites were dumb and took it into battle, thinking that it could be a good luck charm for them. 
Um, Very much. But then the Ark was returned to Israel because it brought a bunch of plagues on the Philistines. But upon hearing that the Ark had been taken into captivity, the priest Eli, who was well advanced in years, I think he was about 90 years old or so, he had cataracts or something, his eyesight was weak, he fell over and died. Um, That's what happens when you get cataracts. You just fall over and die. So sad. I heard that was one of the most telling symptoms. That's how optometrists know exactly what's wrong. They say, have you fallen over recently? Have you died recently? Yep, you have cataracts. And they they check the boxes. Yes. (laughs) All right. Get out of here. There's nothing we can do. Yep. Okay, so the Ark has been returned... And uh, we are beginning at chapter 7 in First Samuel, and we will at least go through chapter 8. We'll see how far we get uh, into Saul being chosen. But at the moment, there's no king in Israel. Is there, Jeremy? No, and there shouldn't ever have been. Exactly, and why is that? We'll see in the next chapter or two. But oh, snap. Ultimately, it was because God was supposed to be our king and we were supposed to follow him and structure our societies accordingly. But mm-hmm. thanks to some influences around them, the Jews thought otherwise. Yes. But we, this is in chapter 7, we see the start of Samuel's uh, ministry, like public ministry. He's probably done some ministry behind the scenes with Eli. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, Samuel starts this speech, which is echoed all through the Bible when the Israelites get into trouble. Mm-hmm. And he says, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away foreign gods and the Asteroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. Because God knows that if we get distracted by other gods, then things go not so great for us. Mm-hmm. And... We might discuss this, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but that whole idea of, is it that when we worship other gods, God doesn't have the authority to protect us? Like, why is it that when we, or when the the Jews at least, because that's what we're reading about, mm-hmm. when the Jews start worshipping other gods, or even worshipping themselves, they get trashed by other countries? Is that mm-hmm. because God wants a, us led back to him through other cultures or is it because God can't protect us because we're worshipping other gods what Uh, are your thoughts I think it's something like uh, this is an analogy say you and your father um, were walking through a shopping centre this is a little bit abstract but you're walking through a packed shopping centre it is boxing day so yep. there is so much foot traffic everywhere and people are darting across in front of you, diagonally across the footpath. Because, you know, in shopping centres in Australia, how it's unlike the rest of the world where you either keep to the right if you're on one side or to the left, depending which country you're in. In Australia, in shopping centres, people are just darting back and forth. Right, ac- It's like a, a, a game of real-life Frogger. That's Ooh, kind of... I love that game. That's how you're... You have to navigate a shopping center. So you're there with your dad. Um, but in this situation, your dad is... Uh, say he has... Wow, I don't know where I'm going with this. Maybe he has a really big umbrella. 
Yep. Um, and so he's holding the umbrella, and it's it's put away, so it's not popped out yet. Um, yep. And he says, "Look, Jeremy, I have this umbrella. If you're about to run into somebody, or if you are going to go into a shop or talk to a kiosk." person that you shouldn't talk to like somebody from the sunglasses hut or something then i i can protect you i'm just gonna pop this out right between you and whatever you're gonna hit uh or talk to and it'll save you and we'll all be good and we'll just keep on going towards whatever shop we're going towards and you say all right that sounds good so you're walking along and you're being wise with where you go you're not bumping into people you're purposely avoiding the kiosks as you go along, you're not buying any cheap knockoff helicopters or whatever they're selling. Uh, but then you see a certain kiosk that has lots of flashy lights and fidget spinners. You're, you're kryptonite. And, uh, I love kryptonite. <laughs> and so you start, uh, you start veering towards that accidentally. You don't even realize you're doing it at first. And your dad is there with you the whole time with his umbrella and he's saying, do I need to do this? Are you going to, you're going to go somewhere you shouldn't. But then, then you just say, no, no, it's okay. I can, I can handle this. But then as you're about to walk up to the kiosk with the flashy lights and the fidget spinners, you just get absolutely smacked in the side of the head by somebody who's hurrying past at a power walk with a couple of shopping bags and six kids in tow. And, you probably get run over by a pram in the parade and everything, and yeah, and the whole time it's not because you weren't walking with your dad, but it's because you said I don't need your help right now. I'm okay doing this part. You can watch me from where you are. You don't have to pop out your umbrella and stop these people because apparently an umbrella can do that. Um, oh yeah. So I mean that's that's very abstract. Sorry to be... Uh, no, I liked that. Yeah, so it. I think it's a little bit like that, where God is protecting them, and they are not so much... Uh, there are probably times where they openly say to God, or at least the priests or whatever, or at least say in their hearts, I don't need to sacrifice to God. I don't need God's direction right now. But yep. I'm sure there are other times where they're just slowly veering off towards some kiosk in the shopping mall without realizing it and when they do realize that they're going the wrong direction they think oh no it's okay i'm strong enough to veer back on track by myself i don't need someone else's help or i'll just dabble over here for a sec and then i'll be right back they we in general as we walk with god we do that so often if you're off by one degree at the beginning you'll be off by 60 degrees in however many units of time that would be yeah. i don't know but <laughs> if you start slightly off track you'll end up very far off track and it'll be too uh too far to get back on your own you'll have to have a major yeah. course correction or an intervention and so that's kind of what we see with israel throughout the book of judges and especially what we are seeing here as israel is slowly veering off towards having a monarch as opposed to having a uh, a theocracy where god is in yeah. charge so they they want a monarchy but they at the moment uh we're about to see them demand a king uh 
And I think it's because they don't see how having a king as well as having spiritual guidance by Samuel the judge or by God himself is at odds. Yep. And so Samuel knows that it's wrong and God obviously knows that it's wrong because he instructs Moses to not be like the nations that they go into the the land to live among uh, or to drive out like they were supposed to. So we eventually see the consequences of this way of thinking or this direction that they're going down. But God does also redeem it in some instances. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's where we're at right now. And those were my thoughts in a very abstract analogy. So sorry about that, but... No, those, uh, those were perfect. That's what I wanted. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's good. Well, uh, so Samuel, like you said, is... Um, he has this speech to the people of Israel. It says to all the house of Israel. So he's probably talking to elders and representatives. Uh, I imagine he's probably not standing at the bottom of some giant natural amphitheater or on top of a mountain and projecting his voice by some, uh, some magic or something. But he's probably talking to representatives and saying, tell all your tribes that if you don't turn around like you're supposed to and actually repent, there will be consequences. Why? (laughs) He's like, get into the umbrella. I need to open it. Exactly. Exactly. Or at least be close enough that the umbrella can protect you. Yeah. I imagine it. And they seem to do it. They seem to come back to the umbrella. Right. So right. they put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth. I'm thinking now maybe acid rain would have been a better analogy with an umbrella, but shopping malls and umbrellas, I'm sure they that could work somehow. Well, I've never experienced acid rain, but <laughs> I have definitely experienced an irritating shopping mall. Right. Okay, well, there it is. It's accessible. I don't think my dad has ever taken an umbrella with us, though. <laughs> maybe your he's dad's not, not very kind of guy. <laughs> no, he's definitely not. <laughs> All right, so Samuel uh, intercedes on behalf of Israel. He says, gather everybody at Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. Just like what Abraham did on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah, just like what Moses did countless times on behalf of Israel, this is what Samuel is doing now. And also what all the judges did too. And I'm sure what we'll see other people will do in the future. So Samuel says, everybody gather there, and he drew, uh, they drew water out and poured it out before the Lord, and they fasted, I imagine, as a drink offering and as a self-sacrifice in order to right their hearts before God, just like what yeah. fasting is supposed to be. Um, right, so that's what they do. And they admit, they confess that they have sinned. Yep. And Philistine hear that the people have gathered Mm -hmm. and they have this plan to take them out. They're like, ooh, they're all gathered. That means we can kill a whole bunch real quick. Yep. And Samuel calls to the people, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So they must see them coming. Mm -hmm. And Samuel takes a lamb and offers offers it (laughs) as a whole burnt offering. 
Yep. And they keep crying out. They keep offering. They keep dedicating their lives back to God. But the Philistines still are like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Mm. And this is a cool part that in the midst of their confession, in the midst of their rededication, God definitely protects them with the umbrella. Mm. But he doesn't use the umbrella. He um, thunders with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And this is one of those cool parts of the Bible where God doesn't call the people to fight or the people to protect themselves. He does it through miraculous means, Mm -hmm. which I just love. I also like that it's vague. Yeah, yeah. So does that mean they killed themselves or they were just afraid and then the Israelites killed them because the Israelites were yeah, yeah. gathered so in 11 like in a verse 11 it says that the Israelites pursue them mm-hmm. but at first it's God who throws them into confusion and then the men of Israel s- struck them down right. strike that's the present tense they yeah. striked them they gave them a bit of a strike strike Yes. As that's... far as below Bethkar, which I have no idea where Bethkar is. Is that nearby? Uh, according to the map that I have on our uh, our Google Doc, I do not see Bethkar. So oh, sad face. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> I, ma- I imagine it is enough distance for it to be significant, but yes. probably not all the way down to where they used to live. So probably not back to whatever the southernmost not point back of to Canberra. Felicity. Yeah, not back to Canberra. Um, no, but I imagine Mizpah was probably within marching distance of the uh, the Philistines because otherwise they wouldn't have gone all the way up to where they were. So they probably pursued them back into the land of the Philistines, maybe. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so good on them. Good on them, you big old. And then Samuel takes a stone and sets it up between Mizpah and Shen and calls its name Ebenezer, which my Bible says, Stone of Help. Oh, nice. And proclaims, Till now the Lord has helped us. And this is probably another one of those cool things that when you were a kid, your dad would be like, Look at that stone, son. That's when God helped us. And the kid's like, yeah, tell us the story, Dad. And then the dad tells the story really badly because he's forgotten all the details. <laughs> and it was only oral Classic tradition. Dad. so Exactly. So, have, you ever heard, uh, have you ever heard of Ebenezer Stones? No, just Ebenezer Scrooge. Right, yeah. I've heard... There was one time, uh, it was a few years ago, I was in YWAM, somebody talk to me about Ebenezer Stones. I'm not exactly sure what the uh, what the context was, what brought it up, but they said an Ebenezer Stone is a rock, essentially, or it could be a gem or some kind of item uh, that you could assign some kind of memorial significance to, um, connecting it to a point in your life where God helped you. So say yeah. if you lived in a certain place by a by a a creek and something really significant happened that you knew God was with you and he protected you or he helped you in some way you could take a rock from that creek bed um, and that could be your Ebenezer stone and you have it as a reminder that you have sitting on your desk or in your study or 
on the kitchen table or wherever you you feel like it's supposed to be that yeah. whenever you see it it reminds you of that experience and the feeling of having god on your side so it's kind of a it's a memorial memoriam it's a memoriam a memoriam a reminder there we go it's a reminder of something good that god did uh in your life so i have in the past taken without knowing that they were ebenezer stones i've taken uh, a couple of rocks from different points uh in my life there was one time i was at a youth camp uh with my with my youth group obviously in nowra uh, 10 years ago, maybe 11. And it was... Wow, uh, you're old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm at least 11. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> we were staying out at some property uh, way out past the outskirts of town. And it was a really nice area, kind of farmland. It had a nice uh, creek that ran through some rolling hills. And it was, it was beautiful. It was a really nice place. But there was... Uh, there must have been something about that weekend that really struck me as uh, maybe I had some kind of a peaceful experience with God where I felt like I felt the presence of God and it was yeah. as I was walking through nature by this creek. Whatever the reason, I picked up one of these small rocks and I thought, this is this will be my reminder of this experience. And so I took it with me yeah. and being... 14 years old or whatever I was I scratched with another rock on the rock the name Jesus and then put a cross on it and I thought oh, nice. this, this is my Jesus rock this is really cool I had no idea what an Ebenezer stone was and I think I might still have it somewhere but I I kept it with me at least for a long time as a paperweight and every now and then I'd look at it and think ah that was a peaceful experience in that youth group <laughs> camp wasn't it that was really nice I felt the presence of God and so that's that's what Samuel's doing here. And obviously we've had people prior to this moment erecting statues or not statues, erecting uh, monuments, stacking stones, uh, pillars, things to represent moments that God helped, like Joshua crossing the Jordan uh, yeah. on dry land and then making a stack of rocks that he took from the riverbed when it was dried up. And using that as a reminder for generations to come, as to um, millennia to come, we even remember it now as some time in history when God helped them. So, yep. this is just putting a name on that type of uh, monument that is built. It's an Ebenezer. An Ebenezer. And Ebenezer. so, after they get that big old Ebenezer, the Philistines are subdued. And did not again enter the territory of Israel. So clearly the Ebenezer stone was also like a magic... Um, what's it called when you do a magic force field? Mm -hmm. Like when you're a kid and you would make force fields in the lounge room that your sister couldn't get over. That's what the <laughs> Israelites are doing right now. Like, nah, nah, I said I love a force field. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. So that's nice. Yeah. That is very nice. And it's funny, the language 2 and 15, Samuel judged Israel's all the days of his life. So Samuel is definitely the last judge, mm. but he's also this um, political figure that anoints the future kings yep. and this prophetic figure that speaks on 
behalf of God. He's just a a big old good old dude. Yeah, he seems like a really solid guy. Sam, good on him. Sam Mule. Sam Mule. And sixteen, and he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel's in all these places. And so, which I think is unique to the Book of Judges, because the Book of Judges seems to be that the judge just stayed in one place, right. whereas Samuel is like going on a circuit. He's a circuit rider, and making sure that everyone. He is a different. He's a different type of circuit rider, but he's definitely yep. a circuit rider. Maybe a circuit rider with a gavel. That he just set up shop and be like, all right, next. And a wig. Guilty. A fluffy white wig. Oh, you've got to have a wig. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, people will know who he is. Like the band Kiss. He probably put makeup on as well. Yeah, probably. It's like, whoa, it's Samuel. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, obviously, he would have worn priestly robes. And we've read elsewhere what those looked like. But we can imagine that he had some kind of striking... uh, striking outfit that everybody knew from a distance like he rolls up in his black leathers with, yeah. a, with a black cape and obviously yeah. white face paint and, and black eyeliner and you think man Samuel's in town here we go who's ready to be judged yeah, yeah who's ready to be judged and then some ACDC song plays in the background but it's played on like a lute or something oh yes with some kid whistling <laughs> Jeff just singing back in black, but with a yeah. whistle and a lute. That's the best day of my life right there. That's fantastic. All right, so chapter eight. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judge uh, judges over Israel. So somewhere in there, Samuel had some kids. We know that priests in Israel did have children, as Moses had kids, Aaron had kids, Eli had kids who were bad, uh, and so now Samuel, somewhere along the line, got married and had a couple of kiddies. And so when Samuel was old, his sons were probably in their 40s or 50s, he made them these uh, political, judicial, and spiritual leaders over Israel. Which is, which is cool. And yeah. the, na- the name of his first son was Joel. The name of his second, Abijah. And they were judges in Beersheba. Um, But, as was the case with his predecessor, Samuel's kids didn't walk in the way of the Lord. They They turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Ah, that is the worst. Yeah, exactly. But I wonder if that was because the system was built so that people didn't question them kind of like the systems we have currently mm. that he would come that his his kids probably didn't wear the black cape that he did they probably had like a red cape and people were like oh it's Samuel's sons they can do whatever they want mm. and so it was easy for them to just be like yeah this is going to cost like 20 bucks now because we need food back in the old town mm. back in Canberra and back no one could Canberra. really be they could really not take them to court because they were the court. Yeah. I am Worst. the Senate. Ah. That's oh, a yeah, Star Wars quote. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Uh, all right. So I think you're right. I think this is a classic case of the uh, successors being a little bit more corrupt than the founders. 
and very much we've uh, unfortunately seen that a lot in uh, in Christendom throughout the centuries history of the world exactly yeah where uh, even even in the cases of maybe some prolific evangelists they have big uh, uh, corporations that they have created non-profits and then when they pass it on to their sons or their daughters or whoever it is that is their successor they might be a little bit more business savvy so they're more focused on the profit and then eventually the non-profit is just a uh it's it's something just a pro profit yeah it's something that they say but really they are about the profit they're living comfortably they are not giving more than they are getting and so then that is something that we've seen throughout history and i'm thinking even in regards to the uh, the Catholic Church in the time of Martin Luther. So going back 500 years 17 so, years. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he went to, uh, went to the monastery and became a priest because of an experience he had where he almost died. And he said, if I get out of this alive, I'll commit my life to God and, yes. and his, his study and all that. So, he went to this place, but at that time, that was when icons were really big. Not sorry, not necessarily icons, but things that what were they called? Where you would buy um, your time out of purgatory or things like what that. What was that called? Uh, let me see. Do do do. Something. Let's call them icons, even though that is very dodgy. <laughs> A little bit iffy to call them that. Yeah, indulgences. 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 Yes, so they were very big then. So they they would say things like uh you if you make the pilgrimage to this place which is significant in Christendom because of whatever, then you'll get 20 years off your time in purgatory and I'll write you up a deed to to prove it and you have to pay for that. And it's just so much perversion that that infiltrated the church, and it was just so sad. But even yeah. at that time, there were good priests that were practicing the faith in a way that honored God and honored other people, and that was that was beautiful. That was the way it was supposed to be. But then they would pass it on to people that were more like the other priests or more like yeah. the world, and. A, uh, a small amount of yeast got into the dough and corrupted the whole thing. That's not what happens to dough, but whatever. Uh, yeah, it is. Hang on, yeah. what? Yeast I, goes into dough. Yeah, but I said corrupted, and that's not quite right. It kind of does. Umbrellas, shopping malls. Anyway, <laughs> uh, verse 4, take it away. Uh, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and said, You're... You are old. No, that's a little harsh. And your sons do not work, walk in your ways. Oh, so they've figured it out. Right. They go high. They go over the son's head, and they're like, "Nah, your sons are being not so great, and yep. you are old, so it kind of looks like you can't control this situation." Mm. And he, they say, now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. And I think that is the start of the dodgy parts of this. Yes. 
because they don't say we need a king because he will do great for us or we need a king because God seems to say that to us. They Mm -hmm. look to the other nations who are technically not positive in the eyes of the Lord currently Yep, because they don't look to him for the umbrella protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, now appoint for us a king to judge us. So the thing displeased Samuel and you wonder if he's displeased because he wants to judge them still. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not old. Yeah. Get away from me. <laughs> or Who if he knows old? that God doesn't want a king and that displeased him. Hmm. And, he, and the Lord says to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have eject, rejected me from being king over them. Hmm. Which is so interesting that God is okay with them choosing a terrible decision. Because then later in the chapter he explains why it's a terrible decision, but right then God's like, Nah, just do it. Just let them have it. Jeremy, I have a question for you. Yeah. If you were in Samuel's position, you were old and full of years, as the Bible likes to say, and you were the leader over Australia in Canberra, obviously, because everything happens in Canberra. Um, So you were the, essentially our stand-in for the, uh... ScoMo. Yeah, (laughs) for ScoMo. Um... Would you pass on your role to your sons who you knew to be corrupt? Or would you continue working as the uh, as the main judge over all of Australia, trusting that one day God would raise up somebody to be your successor? Mm, I still love the way that Uh, Moses' father-in-law said like just find naturally wise elders in the community and raise them up so that you don't have to do as much work Mm -hmm. and I don't know if Samuel had just refused to do that or if he had done that and there was still too much work or that he had raised up more and his sons had just ruined the reputation of the justice system whatever that means Mm. I wonder if the, the local government was really strong and pure of heart but if if anybody chose to go over their heads to Samuel's sons that was where things got shady yeah so do you think Samuel did the wrong thing passing it on to his sons because God says to pass on the priesthood to your sons yeah so I don't think he did wrong and maybe his sons were fine for a while and then they sneakily started being douche canoes after a little bit ah okay alright because that's what power seems to do like kids don't usually wake up thinking oh I'm gonna become the king and ruin everybody's lives like they get a bit of power and then they're like oh this tastes good but if you've had a predisposition towards bribery and towards corruption for your whole life as I'm sure Samuel would have been able to observe or maybe his wife would have said hey notice how this guy your son is taking a bribe in his year seven <coughs> class. Yeah. That's probably not a good sign for his future. Uh, Definitely not. I wonder, because I don't think they would have jumped straight to bribery. I'm sure they would have had history or at least a predisposition towards something like that. 
So Samuel could have been wiser in raising his sons, but ultimately it was the choice of his sons. So maybe his sons were the ones that messed everything up. Yeah, but okay. maybe it was similar to King David. King David's sons weren't so great, and it could have been argued because King David was so busy being the king that he didn't raise his sons very Absolute well. Dad, yeah. But and so maybe Eli, Samuel was similar. Eli had somebody succeed him. God brought Samuel into the picture. Without Samuel, oh, true. Okay. Eli's sons would have been the ones to mess everything up. As it oh, was, they, they still did it messed first. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Samuel was there to kind of pick things up afterwards. So I feel like yeah. maybe God had somebody else in mind if Samuel didn't if Samuel was a little bit wiser maybe with his assignment of power. Or is it that God was going to bring someone in just at the last minute, but then the people were like, we want a king. And he's like, oh, man. Yeah. And then the person he did have prepared didn't get to. Yeah, I guess we'll never know that. But that is a very good question. And that's kind of, that's my thinking here. I think that God would have provided somebody. Because yep, as, as it says in the book of Genesis with Abraham's experience with Isaac on the mountain, on the mountain of God, the Lord will provide. So I mm-hmm. think, I think God would have provided someone. Anyway, uh, so then, after God says, "Let them have their king," Samuel says everything that the Lord said to the people, basically saying, uh, "This isn't what God wants." But as it's what you want, this is what you will get. And this will be the role of the king. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. Is that yeah. is that like the running of the bulls in Spain? Yeah, very much. Like, right. get out there, Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie's like, what? I want a horse. He's like the rabbit on the greyhound track. <laughs> yep. He's the sniffer. Anyway, uh... Some great folly there. Uh, so he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands. So he's basically saying his role will be to arrange your sons and daughters into armies. And yeah. prior to that moment, uh, armies, it seems, have only been something that Israel has had when they've needed it. Yeah. When, when there has been oppression from some group or other, or God has told them to go up against somebody, that's when they assemble their army. But he's saying, now that you have a king, you will also have a military. And the military will be instated, and as a result, it will always be needed. Do you think that's what he's saying? Yep, and that the king will order you to go out even when God's not necessarily in it, and so a lot of your people will die. Mm, Unneededly. Yes, all right, I like that. I mean, I don't like it. But that makes a lot of sense to me that he's saying that if you have a king, you'll always need a military and there will be lots of consequences as a result. Ah, okay, cool. And then he'll also take the daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers because that's all daughters are good for. I'm kidding. Obviously, they also make good sandwich artists. Uh, Just like us, right? (laughs) Exactly. Maybe they make good sandwich art curators. Hmm. Oh, there you go. Uh, but it also says that the king will take the best of the fields and vineyards and olive orchards. Yuck, I hate olives. They're so gross. What? 
How is that a thing? Olives oh, are so good. No, man. No way. I, I try olives every now and then just to see if I've grown into the taste, and I have not. Do you it, like anything salty? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the amount of things that I don't like to eat, I can count on one hand. I am, oh, okay. I'm very much... I love food. But when it comes to olives, I can have sliced up olives on pizza if they're sparing. Uh, but... Yeah having a whole olive or a half olive pitted or not they are just so they're so tart and it's a taste that mm, i don't like i just i can't do it cannot do it so the king can have them for us as far as i'm concerned he so can have good. all the olives uh and so he's basically saying the king will have about a tenth of the entire nation's things and that's just the way that it's going to work so if Which is you weird think because that's, that's okay. how much God gets. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So do you think this is so a bit he... like tithing? Yeah. Mm. But I wonder if Samuel's like, this guy's definitely going to stand in the way of God. Like, ah. you will worship him as if he was God, and that's not a good thing. Hmm. Okay. Because God that's was the dodge. king. Yeah. Ah. All right. This is making a lot of sense to me. As you can tell by my many sounds. Mm. Mm. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> la, la, la. Yep. Uh, okay, so then that's essentially Samuel saying, this is what's going to happen. It's yeah. not going to be good for you. It won't be good for your possessions. It won't be good for the nation. And they're basically, instead of hearing it as a warning, they're saying, "Uh uh-huh, yep, uh uh-huh, sounds good. (laughs) Yep. Uh, (laughs) The whore. (laughs) Uh, And in that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. So he is not only saying, all this stuff is going to be given to the king, but he's saying, and then God won't answer you because the king will do things wrong. And it's going to be your yeah. fault because you chose him. Uh, they don't listen, do they? Nope. Mm-mm. They do not. They insist that they want a king uh, because they want to be like all the nations. Ah, but I thought the idea behind being a wholly set apart people was that you weren't like all the nations. Yeah, but also in twenty verse 20, uh, and our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So still they're blame shifting to, we don't want to take responsibility for things, we don't want to fight our own battles, uh, we don't want to judge ourselves or we- be judged by God, <laughs> we want someone else to do it. Yeah, we want a representative And then we don't have to think about it. it. <laughs> yeah. So ridiculous. And oh, we still man. do it. Yeah. Absolutely we do. We rally behind a sports team and then the sports team loses and we go, oh, well, I mean, it wasn't me playing. It was them. Yeah, They yeah. messed up. You see what they did? Or we, but then when they win. Yeah, or, or we have celebrities that we really look up, uh, look up to, <laughs> look after. We look up to celebrities until they do something wrong. Then we say, oh, yeah, they're a bit of a dog bloke, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not the right way to go about it. Come on. Didn't no. we learn anything from Genesis 3? Definitely Eesh. not. All right. So then uh, when Samuel heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. 
he just kind of got up there and whispered them. Yeah, it's like, hey, God, did you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is what the people As if want. God didn't know. <laughs> they really want a king. They really, yep. really want it. They're not going to listen to me really until they get one. We won't <laughs> go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. They just want their figgy pudding. Um, What's figgy pudding? Oh, I don't know, man. It's the second verse or second verse? Third verse of We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Did you know that? Oh, okay. First verse, we wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Second verse, we uh, now give us, no, now bring us some figgy pudding. Now bring it right here. (laughs) Third verse, we won't go until we get some. So bring it right now. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Do you know what figgy pudding is? Uh, According to a quick Google search, I imagine it's something along the lines of fruitcake. Oh, um, delicious. Or Christmas pudding. But, uh, yep, looks exactly like that. I imagine that is. <laughs> it says figgy Christmas pudding. So, yeah. Uh, if you like. Delicious. If you like rocks with sultanas in them, then you'll like figgy pudding. And you can sing the oh, second and love. third verses of We Wish You a Merry Christmas. But that's what the Israelites are saying. They won't go until they get some. Uh, and so then, God says, obey their voice and make them a king. So God's saying, oh, they'll get some. <laughs> oh, they'll get some, figgy pudding. It's coming. <laughs> uh, they'll break their teeth off on it. Off on the king and his crown. <laughs> and the figgy pudding. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. So he's like, all right, now go back home. You're, <laughs> you're done here. You're dismissed. Now, You're done here. Uh, not to get into what we're going to talk about in the next episode, but but I imagine he told them to disperse because he wanted to seek God on who to anoint. Because yeah. even though it wasn't the right decision in the first place, he was determined to go about it the right way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And very do you much. do you think that's true? Yes. All right. Then we've reached a consensus, and uh, the end of. The passages that we're going through. Do you have any other thoughts about uh, what we have read through? Anything to wrap up or additional things to throw out there just as we're finishing? So it's frustrating for everybody listening. I I think it's dumb that sometimes people take this passage to think, oh, that means we have to have a king, like a theocracy in the sense that the leaders are priests. Like, yeah, God always wanted the church to run the nation. I'm like, mm, no, that's not really what he wanted. He mm. wanted to put power in the hands of the lowest so mm-hmm. that everyone was responsible for culture and justice. Whereas even what mm-hmm. we have now, like Australia's about to have their um, elections in May, I think, and we're going to mm-hmm. choose a party. So we don't have a president system, we have a party system, but still that's less than 20 people i think that are running a nation that's almost 27 28 million if you ask me it's not a party till you have at least 21 am i right yeah exactly 21 people at a party (laughs) and so we're still doing it like we're still pushing the blame on someone else like 
oh, the yeah. government will take care of that, or why didn't the government do that, or I don't want to pay taxes unless the government is doing well, mm-hmm. instead of, oh, my street's dirty, like, I could take responsibility for cleaning that, yeah. or my mum's sick and I could take responsibility for helping nurse mm-hmm. her back to health, even though some of those examples are dumb. And so it's interesting that way back when God was like, no, I want to be your king because I'm better at it and I won't abuse power. And then the people are like, nah, we'll choose someone who abuses power. That's the thing we want. Mm. You're like, these guys are so stupid. I want to say something to that, Jeremy, and it is that uh, at the beginning of what you said there, you said that it's a misunderstanding of Scripture and of God's instruction to think that God wanted the church to run the uh, the country, where yep. I think what God was really saying, and we can see this from someone like Samuel, and even considering the role of a judge uh, in this Old Testament that we are that we're reading through, uh, their job was not just to seek God and to guide people spiritually, but it was also to judge uh, in the judicial system. It was also to lead by example. In military, it was mm. in uh, in every area of of life, and so I think what God intended, because Moses wasn't a priest, he was not a priest. His brother was a priest. Yeah. But I think the reason Moses made such a good leader was that he was a a humble man who was able to shoulder a lot of responsibility because he was a godly man. So it isn't that yeah, God okay. wants the church to run the country. It's that God wants godly people in different spheres of society to stand up and be leaders. So God wants a godly yeah, okay. person to be the representative of a nation or of a certain people group. That's what I think. Yeah. Agreed. You, all right. You agree? Great. Well, uh, I have a little yeah. bit of advice for the <laughs> listeners. Um, uh, as we as we wrap up here, and it is that if you intend to get into the sandwich artistry game, now I'm speaking to all you aspiring sandwich artists and sandwich art curators and gallery professionals, everybody in the galleries, libraries, archives, and museums glam sector, uh, specifically pertaining Ooh. to sandwiches. If you intend to get into that game and you do not, and I repeat, do not provide samples of the artwork being on display, uh, being displayed in your galleries, then that is an opportunity missed. And I imagine people will not be able to savor your artwork as well as they could. Keep that in mind. No, definitely not. All right. Yeah, keep that in mind. <laughs> well, my Bumble name is Ryan, <laughs> and I'm Jeremy. Uh, you can find us on all the social medias; uh, they're all in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you uh, if you have any thoughts on sandwich artistry, or on umbrellas in shopping malls, or anything else that we've talked about in this episode. And uh, yep, that's it. Thanks for listening, Jeremy. Do you have a blessing for the listeners? Um, may all your graphic novels and all your drunk water and all your lemons be fruitful and encouragements into your lives. <laughs> <laughs>